0: This podcast is intended for advisors and staff at The Cooperators. The views and opinions expressed are those of the subjects and do not necessarily reflect the official position of The Cooperators. None
1: of this stuff is rocket science. It's pretty, it's pretty simple stuff, but it's not simple to the average everyday person because they don't think about it.
0: Roger Stevenson started with the cooperators some 20 years ago in claims and now runs three agencies northeast of Calgary. He feels that wealth conversations take client relationships to a whole new level, but also points out that not all clients make good wealth clients. He's always loved the wealth business and it certainly shows in his results. Roger, you are somewhat unique in that you began building a wealth business before it became a critical part of our strategy. What piqued your interest? I had the unique opportunity when I went into the sales side that there was a
1: small mutual fund book that the district had gotten involved in. So that kind of was a bit of a seed, I guess you could say, some seed money to to kind of get me started and to experiment with it. And my brother-in-law is an independent financial planner and had, had done quite well. He always talked about the the trailing commission and the money you make before you get out of bed, right? You build enough wealth, you make a paycheck before you get out of bed in the morning is kind of how he always described it. So that was was intriguing back when I was younger. So.
0: You were certainly a bit of a pioneer in terms of wealth at the cooperators. What were some of the things you learned dealing with that first mutual fund? I learned a lot about client
1: expectations on the wealth side, which are a little bit different than the insurance side. I mean, it's I, I learned a lot about the relationship, and it's, it's really personal when you're dealing with wealth. We all know that home and auto insurance is transactional. And there's not really much relationship with clients when it comes to home and auto. You get into farm and commercial, you get into a different level of relationship where you get closer with the clients. You get into wealth, and that's a whole new whole new level, right? I mean, it is an uh, uh, intimate relationship with the clients when you're dealing with their money, regardless of how much it is. The relationship with someone who has $50,000 is the same as the relationship with someone who has $3 million. I mean, they feel the same way about their money, and they have an expectation that you care about them you know, we talk about persistency in, uh, in life and keeping keeping clients and our retention in home and auto. I mean, retention and wealth, you just have to have a relationship and you keep the retention. It's it's a little bit different than other other products. So.
0: If you think back, Roger, what was your strategy for growing your wealth book?
1: I didn't even have an agency when they gave me the wealth, that little tiny wealth book. So I had a strong focus on wealth and life. That conversation is is one and the same like that. If you're having a conversation with someone about their life insurance, you know, it's almost hard to have the conversation without talking about their wealth because it's so easy for it to come up. So that's where it all, it, it how it grew was I was heavily focused on life and having the same conversations about wealth was easy. It was all referral. Right. I mean, you you give to the people the attention that they that they want and you have the conversations. You develop those relationships. Um, My wealth book has grown mainly from existing clients and their and their family and friends. It's amazing. Last year, I got a call and I had had a commercial policy with a young lady and we'd always gotten along really well. And finally, she called me and she transferred over one hundred and twenty thousand or something like that of her RSPs two years later. Her husband called me up, and he wanted to transfer over another three hundred thousand of his money. And it wasn't even that I had to come and prove it to him; it was just he just called me and said, "Let's let's
0: do it." Roger, you mentioned that wealth is really a different kind of relationship. How so, and and how do you build that relationship? I, th- I think when we're
1: used to dealing with farm and commercial, we're used to to almost telling the client what they need. It's a two-way conversation in farm and commercial, but it is really us giving advice and us making recommendations and us doing things. When it comes to wealth, it becomes much more of a two-way conversation about what they want, what they need. Um, I always tell the clients, "It's I'm, ne- I'm never the guy who's going to make them the most money in the world, but I try to be the guy who will never lose them the most money in the world. And that type of discussion about protecting their wealth is, is really important to them. It is a uh, finding out what their risk tolerance is. I mean, wealth is about being able to sleep at night, right? So you really need to understand the client. You need to get, really get in their head and make sure that you understand what they want and what they need. Because the last thing you want is a conversation when the markets dip, you know, you don't want your clients calling you, right? You want to make sure you've done the right thing for them. I was into wealth like back in 2005 and six, and when the market collapsed in 2008, I actually had more clients calling me to see if I was okay. They weren't calling worrying about their money. They're calling to see if I how I was doing, dealing with the stress of the whole situation. Uh, because there's so much in-depth conversations in wealth, I train my clients really well to expect the dips. We are long-term pension-type investors. Um, that's what I do. So these dips, every client that I deal with knows they're coming,
0: and knows not to stress about them. It's just the way it goes. I suspect that most of your colleagues recognize your passion for wealth. What What is it about wealth that you really enjoy so much?
1: I think it's the relationship with the clients. Um, there's no other line of business that gets you to that, to be able to deal with people on that level, to get to know them the way you get to know them with wealth. It's just a product that that lends itself to creating stronger, deeper relationships with people. Not that I'm becoming best friends with every client, but you really just get to know them, right? And you get to teach them things about investing. You get to teach them things about wealth that isn't rocket science. None of this stuff is rocket science. It's pretty It's pretty simple stuff. But it's not simple to the average everyday person because they don't think about it the way that we do. I mean, I love dealing with young people who are just getting started, there's no money in it, <laughs> really. I mean, when you have someone walks in who's 20 years old and is putting $100 a month into their fund, obviously there's no uh, financial gain. But, uh, you know, it is it is rewarding to get them started and get them going and knowing full well that if they start that early and get going, that it's actually going to pay huge dividends to them. You get a 20-year-old who's putting $100 a month, guess what? That 20-year-old's going to buy a house. That 20-year-old's going to get married. 20-year-old's going to have kids. They're going to need life insurance. They're... You know, you're creating a relationship with them to provide everything for them. I honestly believe that the wealth is the is is more of a it's a cornerstone product, not a cornerstone product from from an income perspective for the agency, but it's a cornerstone product with the relationship with the client.
0: Whether a client is big or small, Roger, what what does that first conversation look like?
1: You know, usually my first, my first conversations with any client have to do with their risk tolerance and their time horizon. To me, that's the single most important thing is time horizon because it dictates everything, right? I would want to know what their expectations are in the, as far as rate of return, like what kind of numbers are they thinking about? And not because I'm going to try and get it, but I want to see what their expect, if their expectations are reasonable, right? What are their goals? What do they intend to do with this money? If they're putting $100 a month in, are they buying a house? Are they young and they're buying a house? Is this totally retirement? If they Are they ready to put this money away and forget about it? We really need to understand what they want and where, they're, where are their expectations and what they're gonna do with this investment, right? Hopefully, in a perfect scenario, they're putting $100 a month away, and they're young and this is their retirement. And they're quite comfortable saying, I have no intention of ever touching this money until I retire. That's not how it goes usually, but. That's the ideal client is who's willing to do that and and have that long-term view. If someone has a short-term view, either because they need the money sooner than, than that, they may say, I'm buying a house in a few years, right? That changes the conversation dramatically, what their goal is with the money and specifically their time horizon, right? But I guess my biggest thing is I like to deal with clients who have the same thought process that I do, they are long-term pension type investing. And I say to every client that I've ever talked to, it's actually more important that we agree that we like how we do business. It's more important that the the client likes how I think than it is what kind of return that I get. Yes, I'm going to invest in the way that they want to, but I'm a pretty conservative investor. I keep saying that pension type thing because that's what I do. So if anybody doesn't like that, they're the ones who are going to call you on a Monday when the market goes down, they're gonna call you and say, what are you gonna do? I would say that 90% of the funds that I put in in 2005, 2006, are still in the exact same funds that they were then. I did a lot of research at the time looking at history of funds. So I look at how how the funds performed in bad times, not how they performed in good times, because in good times you can throw a dart at a dartboard and get good returns, but how do they perform in bad times? And then actually when the market collapsed in that 2008 era was perfect, I thought, because the, all the funds got tested. And you could look and say, okay, the market lost 45%. The portfolios that I built lost about 20 on average, right? So 20% loss is horrible. But when the markets lost 45, 20 is not so bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me if you invest with me. That is the second stage of the thing is whether you're actually gonna invest with me the first stage is, do you and I actually agree? Do we see eye to eye? Are your expectations reasonable? Is your time horizon reasonable? Is everything that you're looking for reasonable? It's almost like you're inter- interviewing the client to see if they fit with you. I bet you 10% of the clients that talk to me about wealth, I don't take as a client because they don't, they don't match. Typically, it's because either their expectations are really high that I think will be unmanageable, Or the time
0: horizon is too short. So have you had a recent conversation where you've parted ways with a client? I I have, actually. And um, they
1: may have liked me as a person and they may have liked me on the insurance side of of the relationship. But the investment style that they wanted to have was consistently in conflict with how I do things. I had to sit them down and say, you know, this isn't this isn't working. You know, you've called me four times in the last six months wanting me to move stuff. And I just don't do that. And I can cite as many studies as you want to show you that moving your money around is bad and that 99.9% of the time you lose, but you consistently keep wanting me to move the funds. So I think there's probably someone better out there for you that will do that. Kind of took a warm-up conversation. And then finally one where I said, we're not, you know, this isn't working for either of us, right? So he moved and went to a more of a stockbroker type person who was going to make all kinds of money on fees, changing his money around. So,
0: What percentage of your time do you spend on wealth, Roger? And what's your plan or, or philosophy with regard to staffing and wealth in the future?
1: I have three agencies um, and we do a lot of farm and trying to get a lot of commercial as well. So at this point right now, it's probably 25% of my time. I want to build it more. I've, I've, got another staff member who I hired from a bank who has their mutual fund license, but it's not active. So we're gonna activate their mutual fund license and get them involved as well. I would never. I will never do 100% wealth. And I frankly, I don't think I'd ever hire someone who did 100% wealth because you don't have a, a life person doing 100% life for two reasons. One is because there's no money in the agency to pay someone to do 100 percent life because you're giving them all the commission. So, you know, you can't give them a base salary. And secondly, it's connected to other lines, right? Like life is connected to something else. Life is connected to their business. It's connected to some wealth is connected to something else as well. So I'm always gonna have a person who does wealth and I might have multiple people that do wealth, but they'll also do commercial farm, they'll also do some other form of the business that generates revenue for the agency as well. Because we all know that the wealth side of the business, it takes a, it's a long-term wealth generator, right? You got $30 million in wealth, and now you're making a good money, but it takes a while to get there. So in the meantime, your wealth person is going to do other stuff, right? So I focus on client reviews, large farm clients, estate planning, and the wealth fits in good with those. To just do someone's wealth and that's it. There's other business. There's other lines that you have to go after. So, and once you get the wealth, now you have the relationship, then you should be able to get everything else from them. So,
0: we're well into the launch of our new wealth strategy, and soon we're going to be seeing some uh, changes to the brand. Are you excited about that, Roger? Uh, unbelievably
1: excited, actually. Mainly because I want credibility behind me when it comes to looking for clients. Right? You talk to a client and say that you're with the cooperators and you do investments sorry, but the two things don't jive right now. You don't have that credibility. You're not the bank, right? With the company shifting its focus and marketing and branding, and it will be so much easier for me to talk to a new client when they, before they come in the door, they already see me as a wealth advisor. That's what needs to happen. Change the public perspective of the company to a wealth company. Now, when they walk in the door, I'm not trying to convince them that I know how to do wealth because they just assume I do.
0: Once you have your licensing, what about ongoing education? Um, h- how do you stay on top of your game? So
1: one thing that you're, that people are going to find when they get into the mutual fund world, the amount of education that's available, the amount of high quality education from the fund companies. They're always call, doing what they call due diligence days or due diligence conference, where they will have put on a full day uh, conference and they'll bring in speakers from all different kinds of areas of the economy to talk. Uh, there's always lunch and learns. Like you can't go to them all. There's so many different, so many different things you can go and listen to different people speak. There's a, a, a podcast that I listen to, it's called From First Trust Advisors. There's financial planners out of, I think they're in Boston. Um, but they put on a weekly talk. And all it does is keep you up to date on what's going on in the markets, in the world, in the economy. Right, And there's tons of information out there about what's going on with the economy. It's not necessarily that you're going to come and turn around and talk to a client specifically about exactly what's happening with so, such and such company or this this part of the industry. You're not going to necessarily have those complex conversations. But it certainly gives you the background to understand what's going on and make some general comments about things. Um, but the sources and the, the availability of information in the mutual fund world is... Huge, more than you're gonna ever want,
0: Roger. I think we still have some advisors who are intimidated by wealth, intimidated by the targets. Um, any any final thoughts on your advice uh, for success in wealth? Um, I think that the
1: biggest thing that I've been talking to advisors around me about is that it's not going to be as hard as you think. Learning it is easy. Learning insurance is like learning, you know, legal jargon. Studying that material is, is like watching paint dry. It's just boring. It's hard to hard to get, wrap your head around. Wealth is the complete opposite for me, I think, because it is stuff that directly applies to you and you can understand the concepts. So the concepts, to me, are easy to get. If you keep it simple, uh, you stay away from the rates of return, and think more like a pension advisor, you're going to attract and deal with clients who are easier to deal with. This is a product that can get very complicated. If you're dealing with clients who have high expectations and expect you to move money around, And right, what, what should we do with our funds because this is coming up and that's coming up and there's there are lots of people out there that want to time the market and they're going to expect you to do the same. If you have clients that you're talking to that are like that, run, don't, that's not the client you want. You want to manage your business and you want to manage it in such a way that you're going to keep it as simple as possible, uh, keep the clients as easy to deal with as possible you know, focus on the idea that you're you're not there to to make them as m- more money than any other advisor, right? You stay away from those conversations. You're talking about trying to protect their their wealth, and if you deal with clients who agree with that, you're going to make your life super super easy. There are lots of people out there that are going after the high net worth. They're going after. They're promising them these massive returns, and and unfortunately, there are people that are that are chasing those those types of things. Um I don't think that that's beneficial to anybody. I just think if you if you keep things simple and you 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 want to go after a reasonable rate of return with a reasonable amount of risk everybody will win.
0: You've been listening to Advisor Network podcast number 21 with Roger Stevenson. Quick reminder if you subscribe to this podcast on your phone, new episodes will automatically download so you can listen at a time convenient to you. We'd also love to hear your feedback on this podcast, your story ideas, or give us the name of an advisor you'd like to hear from. Or if you just need help to subscribe, send me an email at brad underscore scott at cooperators